Well, uh, we turn the page uh, on another chapter of Proverbs, and we're going to start today in Proverbs chapter 3, if uh, you want to follow me over to Proverbs chapter 3 in your Bibles. And uh, this, uh, and and some of you know this uh, because you have verses here that you love, this is a great uh, chapter, and it really uh, sets the table for so much of what we're going to talk about in the subsequent chapters of Proverbs. And uh, so what I want to do is uh, just read this first section that we're going to look at today, and uh, then we'll dive into our study. Uh, the title of our study is uh, Fear the Lord and Live Wisely. It's a study in Proverbs, and uh, we're excited to open this book. This, this, is, this is one of those books you, you can fall out of bed and apply. I mean, it, it is so readily applicable. I was talking to uh, someone over lunch, and, and you know, when you're reading through the history of the righteous and wicked kings in uh, you know, the book of Chronicles and the book of 1 Kings, and uh, you know, that's a little harder to apply. It's inspired history, and it's God-breathed, and there's value to it. But it, so you have to work a lot harder to say, okay, how does this help my faith today? Proverbs, again, you don't even have to try very hard, and this is readily applicable uh, material. And so this is uh, some of the best, I, I think, wisdom we can glean as we study the book of the Bible. Um, so Proverbs chapter 3, and uh, let's look at these verses together. My son, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments. For length of days and years of life and peace they will add to you. Do not let kindness and truth leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart, so you will find favor and good repute in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make your paths straight. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. And it will be healing to your body and refreshment to your bones. Honor the Lord from your wealth and from the first of all your produce. So your barns will be filled with plenty, and your vats will overflow with new wine. My son, do not reject the discipline of the Lord or loathe his reproof. For whom the Lord loves, he reproves, even as a father corrects the son in whom he delights. Now we'll just, we'll stop right there and, uh, oh man, do we, do we have, do we have some good stuff ahead of us here? Uh, this is, uh, uh, I'm so glad you're here to, to look at these verses with me because, um, you know, the, the Bible is like a sponge. You, the, you know, the harder you squeeze it, the more stuff you get that comes out of it. And, and we're going to look at these verses in detail and uh, uh, try to glean everything we can from it. Uh, a couple of things. Th- this is a book that, that has really, really two purposes to it. Um, if you're a young person, if you're a, a junior high student, a high school student, a college student, um, and, and you're, you're just moving into adulthood, th- this book is for you. Th- this book is really designed for young people to glean and, and to know God and the things of God. And, and, and uh, if I were in your position as a young person, I would be trying to read a chapter of Proverbs every day if you desire to be a, a godly young man or a godly young woman in your walk with God. So, so if you're a teenager, you're a high school student, college student, you're, you're in the right place today because this book is really written for you. The second purpose is this book is written for those who are training up that next generation, that, that these young adults that we see in our home, that we uh, see going off to college, uh, going into high school and junior high, and that is parents. 
So if you're a parent, if you're a grandparent, if you're even a great-grandparent, that this book is designed to help us to train our own children and our own families, but it's also designed to help equip us as the church to come alongside parents and to help them as they minister to their own children. So in one way or another, what I'm trying to say is this book is for you. Okay, you can't get out of it. It's, it, it affects you in some way. And uh, so here we go, okay? The title of this particular message today is The Heart of Training. The Heart of Training. And, and, and the reason that's the title is you're going to see the word heart show up a whole bunch of times in this chapter. Uh, Solomon has introduced us to the topic of wisdom and the need to train young people in wisdom. He's introduced us to the fear of the Lord, that that a relationship with God is really the basis for all other wisdom and, and things we glean out of life. And, and, and right as we stumble into this this third chapter, we, we, got, we have 31 chapters to cover. So right early on, he's going to say, let me tell you what the most important area of your life is in terms of this material affecting that what do we need to target as as the goal of the training that we're trying to accomplish here it's not behavior modification it's not skills for helpful living solomon is after our heart he is interested in seeing a heart reformation a heart transformation and so he he sets he sets the sights of his training rifle on the hearts of his audience here and says we need to talk about how our hearts need to be affected most of all as we think about the training that God has for us okay now now notice I want to do something for uh, for the parents the grandparents here uh, I want to just zoom out for a second and show you Solomon's parenting strategy can I show you that or parenting overview I want you to notice this because it's so helpful. If you're like me, sometimes you get up in the morning and you look in the mirror and you say, I know I'm a dad, but what am I supposed to do today? You know, I mean, there's so, is, is it, is it soccer practice? Is it taking my kid to the garage and he helps me with a project? Um, is it family devotions? You know, think of all the stuff. And, and parents, most parents that I know are very, very busy people. In fact, they're probably too busy. And, and, and that's why this is so important because part of what this book is designed to do is to reorient our priorities as parents and to help us to see what should we be spending our time and attention on. There's all sorts of stuff and there's all sorts of good stuff. But what are the essential issues? Now, just watch by way of overview, okay? I'm going I'm to take you through the first four chapters when Solomon says, My son, watch this. My son, hear and don't forsake. That's chapter 1, verse 8. We saw that a few weeks ago. My son, receive my words. That's chapter 2, verse 1. My son, do not forget, but keep my commandments. That's what we're going to see today. My son, hear and give attention. My son, hear and accept. My son, give attention. Okay? Now, now, what purpose does that serve? Do you notice some themes there? And I, I took the liberty of bold-facing some of them in your notes and up here so you can see. Um, that, that's parenting. That, those, those are the activities of parenting. And they also show us where the challenges are with our children. Notice he doesn't tell his children one time and says, okay, that's covered. What does he say? Here. 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 Put down your iPad and here. 
Okay, and of course, you know, here in, in the Hebrew mind is, is not, you know, there's, there's sound waves that are creating vibrations off of your eardrum. Here is pay attention. Here is listen. Here in the Hebrew mind is heed, obey, take the heart what I'm saying. And, and notice, hear and don't forsake. That children, have you noticed this? Uh, experienced parents, okay? Experienced parents. Have you noticed sometimes your children war, will act like you've never talked to them about this subject before. And according to your count, it's about, you know, 247 times that you've talked to them about this topic. And so there's that, that challenge right, right there of just forgetting that, that good parenting is about repetition. It, it notice, receive my words. You know what that means? Just because your mouth is talking, and you're giving them good advice does not mean they're taking to heart what you're saying. And, and note it, there, there's a, there's a strain in Solomon's voice in these verses, isn't there? There's an appeal. Son, this is important. Son, you need to listen. Son, you need to receive this. This is valuable information. And, and part of being a child, and this is, this is not a fault of children, it's just the reality of being a child, is that our children don't do very well weighing the value of things that they're told. They may take something they learn about a, you know, a video game, uh, uh, cheater code, that their friend tells them at lunch, you know, between third and fourth period, and they think that is more valuable than what the Bible tells them about life, about God, about themselves. Because, and that's where we as parents help to assign value to what uh, children are hearing, and so that they will hopefully weigh those things appropriately. Don't forget. But keep, we'll see that here in a little bit, hear and give attention. Again, this idea that, you know, children can have their eyes on us, but their ears can be closed. Hear and accept, take it to heart. So give attention. So, so as, as parents, grandparents, great-grandparents, uh, people that uh, generally engage with the shorter people amongst us, okay, whatever your role Keep these words, these verbs, these commands in mind, because because those are the basic building blocks of ministry to children. Okay, and there's a wealth of help there. We'll unpack these as we go along, but that's just the overview for now. Okay, and and, and what's interesting, as you read the book of Proverbs, look for these. You, you'll Solomon is definitely going somewhere, and and he he helps us as parents to even in terms of how he addresses. Uh, his children. Okay, so let, let's jump into that that command that we looked at a minute ago in chapter three, verse one. My son, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments. So on your notes there, keep, don't forget is the commandment here. Keep and do not forget. <clears throat> now, what that tells us right away is that as parents and as those that minister to young people, uh, our folks that'll be going to the Good News Club at Oakwood Elementary School tomorrow, they will see this same challenge here. The challenge of child forgetfulness. And that means that as those who are training children, we, we are, um, well, I'm just going to say it. You are competing with their iPad. You are competing with their PlayStation. You are competing with SportsCenter. You are competing with their friends. Uh, you are competing with, with their playlists on their iPod. You are competing with uh, what they watch on TV. 
You, you think, of, and I've said this before, but but it's it's so important to remember the context. Think of all the voices that our children are hearing. Think of all the influences. And, and, and I hate to say this, but you're just another voice. Unless, unless you're the type of parent, grandparent, great-grandparent, minister of children who, who heeds the words of the Lord in terms of what he's saying here. We, we have to fight and position ourselves and minister and shepherd in a way that those other voices don't win. Those other voices don't drown out the voice of the word of God in this child's life. And part of that is saying it's so easy for the things of the Lord that a child hears to get lost in the sea of information. Uh, uh, you know, you, you've read the studies that I have that these sociologists do that, that children today in this generation have more information at their disposal than any other children in history. Since the dawn of time. Information overload. Now you know that because you feel the same way. And you have trouble keeping up and you have trouble, you know, keeping your sanity in the midst of all this information coming at you from social media and from online sources and from TV and from internet and all these sorts of things. And, and, and the challenge of parenting is how will I make the voice of God through the pages of the Bible not just the loudest voice in my child's life, but the most influential voice? That's a great challenge, isn't it? That's a huge challenge. And that, that's why we're taking the time to study this. Because, um, you know, even if you don't have children in the home, even if you don't have children at all, part of what we are here to do as a church is what? To equip the saints for the work of service. That's Ephesians 4. Well, guess what the next generation of believers that need equipping for, for the work of service, to go on and carry on the work of the church. What is that next generation? It's the children that are in our congregation now. So if we are going to see the, the, the work of the church, the work of gospel ministry continue beyond our generation, we have a job as a church now to be equipping and training those children, mostly as we come alongside their parents. But we have this supplementary role through Awana, through Children's Church, through Sunday School, through these other... Even, even if you're engaging a young person in the fellowship hall over, you know, all he wants is, is a bag of Cheez-Its and, and some juice, and, and, and yet you engage them in a conversation, in a way that tries to raise the influence of the Word of God in their life amongst this sea of information overload that they live in. Okay, so there, there's the challenge, and forgetfulness is a particular challenge because of information overload. Now notice with me, number two, the goal. What is the goal as Solomon sits down and, and trains these young people? So I'm gonna, I'm gonna pivot back and forth between two applications today, and I'm probably gonna do this for the rest of the study, so just get used to it. <coughs> In one regard, there's an application for those of us that are training children. But remember, the, the main purpose of this book is to train young people. So again, teenagers, high school students, uh, college students, this the things we're going to learn today are for you. Okay, so, so listen up. What is the goal? What, what would God say to that young person that you're here today 
the young, the young people here, what would God say is the goal? Well, notice, my son, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments. There it is. You see the goal? The goal, young person, the goal, teenager, is that in your heart, you would love and obey God. You would obey him from your heart, not because your parents make you, not because that's what you do at church, not because that's what you've learned in classes, but because in your heart you love God and you want to follow him, you want to obey him. That's the goal, heart-level obedience. And we're going to see that that obedience flows out of trust and love. So it's not just obedience on its own. But but remember here, and this is so important as a young person, the, the goal is not to be a nice, good young man or young woman. People say, wow, what a nice young man. What a nice young lady that, you know, so polite, you know, so respectful, you know, uh, uh, responsible. Th- those are all good things. But teenager, what God wants is your heart. What he wants is a heart that loves him and obeys him, not just when other people are around, but when you're by yourself, when you're going on your way, long after you've left this place, long after you've left Grace Bible Church, long after you've left your parents' home, in your heart you love God, you trust him, and you want to obey him from the heart because he is the most important person in your life. That's the goal. And that's what's, that's the vision Solomon is giving us here. So parents, do you think they have some parenting implications in that? We can raise our children just to obey us. We can do that. Because we're bigger, stronger, and smarter than them. At least when we start out. By the time they're teenagers, eh, you know, some of that's, some of that's starting to change a little bit. But we can do that. We can raise our children just to be good kids. We can raise them just to be compliant and polite. But can you see with me here as Solomon paints the vision? That's not the goal. The goal is a heart that obeys God. Not outward conformity, but internal heart obedience is the goal. And, and, and you know, that, that means we have to shepherd them and train them in a certain way. If all we ever talk about is behavior, guess what? Behavior is what they're going to learn. So we raise little Pharisees. Not only is that bad, but according to Jesus, when we read the Gospels, a self-righteous person who is only concerned with external conformity to the commands of God is the farthest person away than a person who really loves God and walks with Him. That is the furthest away you can get from what God is looking for. And that is why Jesus was so harsh and so direct with the Pharisees. Because a self-righteous person is hardened to the things of God. Their heart is hard, not soft. And that makes the gospel more difficult for them to accept. So we, we really need to get this in our minds that the goal of parenting, the goal of training children, and, and, and by the way, I'm saying young person and parenting and all that, this works for us old people too. God is not impressed with external conformity. He's not, he's not impressed with Christian external behavior. What he wants amongst us is to be men and women who in our hearts love him and obey him. 
And I say that even more important than, than telling young people these things and training them in these things, you know what's even more important as adults? That we would be modeling heart-level obedience for the next generation. Now, have you noticed with me, and, and experienced parents, you'll chuckle at this, if you've never had children in your home, just, just trust me, okay? Children are hypocrite detectors. They are hypocrite detectors. They, they can sniff out a hypocrite from 20 miles out. Especially, especially if they know you pretty well. Okay? And w- one of the worst things we can do is to present a hypocritical form of Christianity to our young people. That will lead them to disillusionment with the faith, and they'll think, ah, oh, this is just a game that mom and dad and people play on Sunday morning. Or worse, it will lead them to full out rebellion. And we want to avoid both of those things. So, so we need to guard our hearts. We'll see this verse in a minute. Remember what, remember what um, Moses said to parents? These commands which I am telling you today shall be, mom and dad, on your heart. First. And then, Deuteronomy chapter 6, you shall teach them to your children. There, there, is, a, there is a wisdom in why God says to parents, the commands of God, the things of God, the transformation that you want to see in your children must be in your life first. And then your teaching will be effective. Then your teaching will have credibility. But if not, it results in utter hypocrisy and our children feel the brunt of that. Okay? So what's our goal? Heart-level obedience. Let your heart keep my commandments. And by the way, I think all of you understand this. When the Bible talks about the heart, it's obviously not talking about the, the organ in your chest that pumps the blood. It's talking about your, your inner man. It's talking about the real you. It's that, it's, that, it's that immaterial part of you, your spirit, your soul, or other terms that are used for it in Scripture. It's, it's that person who you are. And, and we saw that in Psalm 139, right? Search me, O God. Try me. Know my anxious thought. That, what, he's inviting God to say, examine the real me and help me then to grow, Lord. Okay, so that's what we're talking about when we refer to the heart. Now, now notice this also. Look at verse 2. For length of days and years of life and peace they will add to you. Um, all of us as parents... give reasons for why we tell our our kids to do certain things or why we teach them certain things. I'll, I'll tell you one school of thought, and, and some of you may come from this school of thought uh, or maybe you're familiar with it. Here's, here's one school of parenting. You do it because I said so. Familiar with that one? Okay. Now, when our children are really young and they just need to learn that mom and dad are the authority... That's, that's not a bad thing to say. Because as parents, as God's under shepherds, God's authority, we work under God with our children that are in authority, uh, in submission to us, under us. Um, that's not a bad thing to do, okay? Because we want to establish authority. But, but what happens when young people get older? And you're saying to your 16-year-old, you just need to do this because I'm your dad and I'm telling you to. Okay? Solomon wants us to see that that's not the best approach to take. Look back at verse 2. For, 
for length of days and years of life and peace they will add to you. Solomon is not afraid. In fact, he models for us here the need to train young people that obeying God and trusting Him and following His ways are actually good for you. There's benefit. There's blessing. There are good reasons. We need to show (coughs) children the blessings and benefits of obeying God. Now, if, if you, if you think about this, every other voice that is speaking into the life of our young people do the same thing. Right? It might be do it because it's fun. Do it because it makes you popular. Do it because you can be successful. Do it because you'll be a better athlete. Do it because it feels good. Every other voice does not just say, well, just do this because I'm saying. It's like only parents are that naive, aren't we? Every other voice that we're competing with says, do this and here's why. Here's the payout. Here's the reason. Here's the reward. And, and, and what we need to show, and this is so important, Young person, what you need to see is that to trust God and to walk with Him puts you in a position to have no other blessing, no other success, no other benefit than any other pursuit. By trusting God and walking with Him, you are setting yourself up for the best life you can have, both here and in eternity. There, and, and the Bible is, is full of examples of that. In, in your presence is fullness of joy, right? You, you think that over there will make you happy? Well, you're right, it will, for about 45 seconds. And then you'll feel terrible. Then you'll see through it. Then you'll need more of that to get that feeling again, and to get that feeling again, until that thing becomes your master. Right? And yet to walk with God is to know joy in His right hand. To walk with Him is to know eternal pleasures, eternal satisfaction, wisdom that will make you wise in this life, to make good decisions, to have relationships and family and success in work and school in with other people. And I'm not saying, you know, follow Jesus and you won't have any problems. That is not the message of the, of the Bible. The message is follow Jesus and you will know a joy and a peace and a success and a contentment and a wonder that every one, every other of your friends is looking for in a thousand other things and will never find in those things. So young person, there is benefit, there is value and blessing. I mean, just, just think about it. Some of you um, are going off to college soon. Some of you are in college now. Do you want to just have relationships that are horrible for the rest of your life? You just want to, like, like, okay, I want to be miserable in every relationship I have. Okay, just put your hand up, young person, if that's what you want to do. Well, of course not. So how are you going to strive for a marriage that's fulfilling and wonderful? How are you going to strive for a family that's enjoyable? How are you going to have relationships with friends that are a blessing? How are you going to have satisfaction in your work, influence in your... Just just paint the picture. What sort of life, young person, do you want to have? And what Solomon is saying is, there's only one way to wisdom and blessing, and it's in trusting God and walking with Him and finding joy in Him. So as parents, we need to paint that picture. 
It's not you obey because I tell you so. It's this is the best thing you can do for yourself before God. This is the best way. God's ways, God does not desire our failure, spiritually speaking, does he? He desires blessing and peace as the words used here. Now notice, uh, long life, length of days and years of life. Deuteronomy 5.16 in the Ten Commandments, right? Honor your father and mother so that it will go well with you and you will what? You will live long on the earth. <coughs> now remember, Proverbs is not Proverbs is not presenting you know, um, lawyer-type precision in the fine print of what it says. <coughs> Proverbs is presenting to us general principles that are true. And what this is saying here is a young person who walks with God, who follows Him, will enjoy the blessing of long life. That's, that's the general principle given here. We see it in Exodus 20, we see it in Deuteronomy 5, and it's repeated in Ephesians chapter 6. Right? Children... Obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise. What's the promise? That it may go well with you and that you may live long on the earth. One of the things that Lisa and I say to our children in the, in the moment of discipline, in the moment of training, in the moment where our kids are looking to go the wrong way and we're trying to steer them the right way, is we ask them this question. Do you want it to go well with you? Do you want difficulty to come? Or do you want the blessing of God to come? And that's a, that's a great vision that we all need to capture. What are we living for? Are we living for the smile of our Father? And is knowing His blessing and His approval and, and His honoring of His name is that what we live for? And so we come to our young people and we say, the way of the transgressor is hard, isn't it? The path of the ungodly is broad, but it leads to destruction. The way of the righteous, the way of the gospel is narrow. There are few who find it, but it leads to eternal life. It leads to blessing. It leads to it goes well with you. Okay, so there's an appeal here, and that's the second one, is, is peace. Uh, you know the Hebrew word, it's shalom. You say, what's shalom? Well, in this context, it, it, shalom, peace, really means all sorts of things. You know, it's a greeting when you talk to Hebrew-speaking people. Um, but what, is, what does shalom actually mean in this context? It means well-being. It means to follow God, to walk with God, is the path to well-being in this life. It's to know God and walk with Him and to enjoy what He has for you and what He's intended for you. So we need to show children that there are blessing and benefits of obeying God. Now, footnote, that assumes, that assumes that your instructions are God's instructions. Right? Because if we're not giving our children God's instructions, it may not go well with them. So, so this, this is, guys, if you haven't noticed, this book really gets in our kitchen, doesn't it? We think, oh, this is a parenting book. This is going to be helpful. 
And it slays us sometimes, doesn't it? It gets in and convicts us. And one of the convictions here is that if we're going to show our young people the ways of Lord and the benefits of the Lord, that means that what we're teaching them have to be God's instructions because the blessings come from following God's instructions, not ours. So let's keep that in mind. Number two, train your heart. Train your heart. Look at verses three and four. Do not let kindness and truth leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. So you will find favor and good repute in the sight of God and of man. Oh, this is great. Look, look at this. Um, so we show children the blessings and the benefits of obeying God, and then we get down to the actual heart work. Listen to the appeal here. Do not let these leave you. Now, if you're one of those uh, English teacher types, or maybe you majored in English, or you just like literature, maybe, maybe you're a closet grammar geek. And if you're one of those people, you will notice how full this section is with what type of language. Talk to me here, English teachers, grammar geeks. What do we see here over and over and over and over and over again? In the language. This is the part where you talk. There are pictures. Imperatives. Yes, thank you. Commands. Commands. And, and again, do you guys understand? There, there's a whole school of parenting that says never tell your children what to do. You know what that's called? Parental suicide. Okay? This text is full of admonitions, of commands. Now, now notice, these are not commands, that this, these are not the commands of an angry, irritated parent whose, whose boiling point has finally been reached, and at that moment of exasperation, they start yelling things they want their kids to do. That's not the picture here. They're commands, but they're tender, aren't they? They're imperatives, but they're loaded with wisdom and counsel and appeal and painting the picture, just like Kit said, and and drawing our kids in to obey, not just because we say so, but because God says so. And those things are good for that young person. But we see these commands here. Here's another command. Do not let these leave you. Do you know? What does that mean? Mom and dad, what does that mean? These character qualities, if they are not cultivated, if they are not tended to, what are going to happen? They're going to leave. They're they're not going to take root. So don't let these qualities leave you. Now there's two two qualities here. The first one is kindness. Uh, Some of you know the Hebrew word chesed, right? That's the word here. It's tender uh, tender, steadfast, faithful love. In fact, it, it really, it really has, has two ideas. That, that word, the NASB usually translates it loving kindness. The ESV usually translates it faithful love or loyal love. Um, it has the idea of faithful trustworthiness, okay, steadfastness, and then love and kindness. So if you could stick those two words together, reliable, loyal, faithful, love, kind, there you go. And it says, don't let that leave you. And so young person, teenager, here's the question that this text is asking. How do I treat people? How do I treat people? 
And what God is saying here is there is character qualities that you need to pursue. And the first one is kindness or steadfast, faithful love. There's another one in the NASB here. It's called truth. And it could be translated either truth like um, things that are true. That's what truth is. Or it could be translated more faithfulness or trustworthiness. And it's it's hard to pick one here. And so um, I'm going to punt and say, you know, they're both important. I, I tend to think it has to do more with being a trustworthy person. Okay? So, what, teenager, what, what is this saying? God is saying how you treat people and what type of person you are are the, are the most important questions to ask. Um, adults, think with, think with me and, and help, let's help the young people here think about this for a little bit. If you can't be trusted, what kind of relationship are you going to have with other people? What's that? What'd you say? You're not going to have, that's right, you're not going to have a relationship or the ones you try to have are going to be bad. You think about that? To be a person that's reliable, that, that is trustworthy, that does what they say they're going to do, they're, they're faithful, they're loyal. Um, there, there is nothing more important in a relationship than trust. And, and teenagers, that's what this verse is saying. You need to develop with God's grace and help to be a trustworthy person. What kind, what kind of person are you? And again, these principles work, work for the old people here in the room too, for us, right? How do we treat people? What kind of person are we? Are we a person known for our kindness and our love and our faithfulness? That we're a trustworthy, faithful, loyal type of person? Or is there some, is there room to grow in some of those things? You know what's interesting, teenager? Those are the two terms that describe God in several sections of scripture, most notably Exodus 34, 6. Right? The Lord, the Lord God, compassionate and gracious, slow to anger. He abounds in loving kindness and truth. And so, guys, what this is saying is in, in saying, develop these character qualities. Grow with God's grace to be this type of person. What we're aiming for is to reflect the character of God Himself. That's what this is about. We're reflecting the nature and character of God, kindness and truth are those those twin characteristics that we see in several places in the Bible, most notably in Exodus when God reveals himself to Moses. Now, we say, that's great, I want, I want to be a person of kindness and truth. I want to be loyal in my love and I want to be trustworthy in my relationships. How do I do that? How do you become this type of person? Now, teenager, just look at the next verse where it tells you to go online to learn. No, that's not what it says. It says, play hours of video games with your your friends. No, that's not it. Be active in social media. No, that's not what the verse says. Young person, I want you to see that these things don't happen by pursuing the normal pursuits of your peers. These things happen when you internalize the things of God. Okay, and that's what we're going to see here. We need to internalize, actively internalize the things of God. Notice this. How does this work? How do we let uh, kindness and truth, how do we keep those from leaving us? How? Verse 3. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. 
Do you see that? You have to keep them in front of you like they're around your neck all the time. You have to write them on the tablet of the heart. You have to bring them into your life. You have to think about them, meditate on them, memorize them, practice them, read about them, learn about them, talk to others about them. You have to bring it so that your heart says, okay, I know how to do this a little bit now. I get it. You won't become God's kind of person without active participation in pursuing the things of God. Now, again, footnote to parents, it assumes parents have taught and modeled these things, right? How are they going to internalize the Word of God if they never hear the Word of God in the home? You know, there, there are churches that their children's ministry, their, their youth ministry consists of pizza and entertainment. And my question is, how are they going to become young people who follow hard after God with pizza and entertainment? Now, I like pizza. I like entertainment. Maybe you do too. But that's not how a young person grows in conformity to the Lord. It needs to be an all-out, master-planned, every way we know how to, to help our young people to internalize the things of God. And that means that we're leading the charge as adults, as parents. Now, now notice, I'm going to talk about this, this little phrase, tablet of the heart, here for a minute, okay? What that means is the heart needs training and can be trained. The heart needs training and it can be trained, okay? Young people do not automatically grow up to be all that God wanted them to be. There has to be intentional training. But notice, and I know your theology is kicking in here, the Bible tells us that our hearts are deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. So you know what that means? The heart is not a blank slate. This is not B.F. Skinner, right? This is not the old psychologist that said, well, um, people are basically conditioned animals. They they, uh, are born with a blank slate. And what life programs on that blank slate determines what that person will be. That's bad anthropology, according to the Bible. Because our children are not born as blank slates. They're cute, but they're depraved. Which means they are not born as a blank slate. They are born as a slate that is bent toward wickedness. A heart that is, that is, that is pointed away from God rather than toward Him. And so training is needed, training is required, but notice ultimately what is needed. You can read it. A new heart. Our children need the gospel. They need Christ. They need the one who came and lived and died for them so that when one trusts, this is great, and we don't have time to read it right now. Ezekiel 36, 26 is, is the new covenant text and it, it helps us to see the implications of the gospel, but in, in the language, <coughs> the language of, of the Old Testament. And in that text, let me, let me tell you what, what God tells Ezekiel in that text. He says, in the new covenant, he says, I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh, and I will give you a heart of flesh. He says, I will give you a new heart and put my spirit within you so that you will walk in my ways and you will delight in my commands. So 
teenager, as you see in your own heart the things that need to change, can I, can I just say, what, what you need most of all is heart surgery. What you need is to trust the Lord Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, to repent and turn to Him and let Him do an internal work of heart transformation. That's what's really needed. And for those of us that are, that are parents or we, we teach children, we need to see that our training efforts are important. But ultimately, God must change the heart. God must work in the heart of our children. And so, as we talked about in my sermon last week, we pray, right? We pray that God would open blind eyes. We, we pray that the light of the gospel would shine with effective transformation in the hearts of people that need Christ. And we trust the God who changes hearts. We, we trust the divine heart surgeon to do his work through gospel ministry in the lives of our young people. So training is important. The heart needs training, but ultimately a heart must be, must be transformed. Now, I want you to think about this and, and we'll conclude with this, okay? How do I think about training the heart of my child? Because I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, if, if you're tracking with me, you say, well, Keith, what, what benefit does training my children have if they're not Christians yet? If they haven't trusted Christ yet, they, they don't have a heart that loves God yet. They've not, they've not had that transformation of their hearts yet. Isn't all my training in vain? No, it's not. And I want you to see this. There is what I'm going to call pre-redemption training for parents, and there is post-redemption training that we would typically call discipleship. Okay. Now, both are important. Why do we know that both of them are important? Well, we know that both of them are important because the Bible says to parents, from the first day that you have children, teach them the things of God. Teach them the way of righteousness. Uh, pour your heart out into helping them think of a, a biblical worldview. And, and to grow up in the things of God. Teach them righteousness. Show them how uh, to do things in a way that honors God and to turn away from ways of wickedness. From, ver- from The Bible commands us to do those things. It doesn't say, wait till they get saved and then start that process. You say, well, how is that important? Well, think, think, of, think of this training like you would a garden, okay? Let, let's say you, you got a garden and out there is a, a an old you know, a little fruit tree that, that just, it, you know, it died in the first season. And it's sitting there and it's taken up soil, but it's, it's dead. Okay? And you're going to plant a new fruit tree. Okay? So what are you going to do? You're going to rip the old one out, put a new one in, and you're done, right? No. Think, think about, think of this pre-redemption training, like all the work you have to do in that garden to prepare it for a new live tree. What are you going to do? You're going to go out and you're going to weed the garden, right? You're going to till the soil. You, you might put some sort of uh, nutrients back into the ground, a fertilizer or some sort of um, you know, ingredient to, to ready the soil for this. You're going to pull out the rocks. You're, and, and you know, we live in Texas, which means it can be like, wow, that's a hard rock and my shovel ain't going through that. Right? Or it can be sand and you're going, nothing's going to grow in this. And like within three feet, you might have both. Right? Do you live in Texas like I do? You see how this works. So you prepare the soil, you till the soil, you, you do all of that, that work. And, and all of that work, what does that do? 
it benefits the live tree when the transplant occurs. And that's what we're doing with our children. We're doing all of this work. It's not that it's in vain. It's preparatory work so that when they do trust Christ, now they have all of this information, all of this wisdom, all of this this teaching from God's word. They have all the benefits of what you have taught them. And then for the first time it is energized by the Spirit of God with that new heart in the gospel. And now they can live those things out from the inside out for the first time. Okay, so it is not in vain. That pre-redemptive training, if you're in that mode of training with your kids or your grandchildren, that is so important. It's preparatory work for the day that God might be pleased to save our children. And then all of that, all that work that we've done comes alive as the gospel and particularly the Holy Spirit energizes those things that we've taught them so that it becomes actual discipleship and sanctification at that point. Okay, so we don't downplay pre-redemption training. We see it as crucial. We prepare the soil. Then one day the fruit tree is planted, and then discipleship of tending the tree so that it grows and bears fruit. All right, we're out of time. Let me pray, and we'll dismiss. Father, I pray. Thank you for uh, these verses that have helped us to think about... um, what we're doing in training up our young person. And Lord, I pray for the teenagers here, the young people in this room, that they they would see that what they need most of all is a new heart, that they would cry out to God, to the Lord Jesus who lived for them and died for them and who will give them that new heart as they turn to him in in asking and in trusting. Lord, uh, thank you for the privilege of training the young people here. And I pray that our church would be mindful that we are equipping the saints for the work of service, not just in this generation, but in the generation to come. And so we need to be careful in our shepherding work uh, to uphold the things of God, to model them ourselves, and then to teach and train and peel and plead and challenge our young people to turn and grow in the things of the Lord. We pray in his name and for his glory. Amen.